Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. There was a 2006 sci-fi movie called Children of Men, and its opening scene was all of England mourning the death of her youngest citizen. Now, the twist was that this youngest child is an 18-year-old lad. They mourned because not a single child had been born for over 18 years. In this dark world, hope quickly evaporates, and the finger-pointing begins to take over. Who is to blame? Is God punishing us? Are foreigners corrupting us? Racial tensions and civil unrest rise until segments of what used to be a functioning society are at open warfare with one another. As refugees pour into Great Britain to escape their desperate plight elsewhere, the beleaguered government responds by building walled detainment camps to avoid becoming overwhelmed by these outsiders that they are so ill-equipped to care for. So the people exist in squalor with empty schools, an empty future, with despair so rampant that the state even starts a sanctioned suicide program. Amid all that, a miracle happens. A young African refugee named Key becomes pregnant. The main character, Theo, is enlisted by his ex-wife to protect Key and to smuggle her out of the country so that she can give birth in relative safety. They end up being delayed, and they get trapped in a refugee camp that is being ripped apart by a fierce firefight between the government the rebel domestic terrorists, and refugee Islamist forces. It's a three-way battle. While Theo and Key dodge these warring factions, she goes into labor. And then she gives birth in a decrepit, high-rise apartment building that is under active assault. As the warfare rages all around, the newborn child begins to cry. Amazingly, above the din of battle, the baby's cry is heard. It's a jarring cinematic moment. As they hear the, this miraculous sound, something they hadn't heard in two decades, the combatants on all sides cease their fire. And even though they're face-to-face with their foes, Instead, each one turns, all in silence, some with tears, to behold this miraculous baby. The Lutheran question is always, what does this mean? Well, for some, Key's baby is a sign of hope, that there's a future for humanity, For other, it's a sign of judgment upon their hatred and violence, for as soon as this newborn baby is 
barely moved away from being in harm's way, the battle resumes. It picks up even more ferociously than before. So, is Key's baby a sign of hope or of judgment? Well, that depends. Because what a sign means depends on how you see it. In the days of Isaiah, the people of Judah were also living in fear and doubt. They had been cycling through a series of progressively worse kings and were, in the meantime, repeatedly subject to various regional powers as they pressed their territorial desires. And so we reach the seventh chapter of Isaiah where God proclaims to a disobedient people that a child would be miraculously born and that his name would be called Emmanuel, God with us. This is in part a prophecy about the coming Messiah, the virgin-born, the Son of God who would come to liberate his people from the deadly burden of their sins. But this name is also a statement of an ongoing reality, one that has been real from the days of creation. You see, long before God ever announced the name Emmanuel, God with us, he had always been with his people, even when they couldn't perceive it. Moreover, God had promised repeatedly that he would always be with them. God has no doubt about that. The problem is always with people, right? See, they and we struggle to believe it. So God acts to supply what his people need. He gives grace, mercy, help. He provides it all. And so we come to this guy Ahaz. Now, what an ironic name that is. See, Ahaz means possessing. And in this case, his kingdom truly exceeded his grasp. He never really possessed it at all. Currently, he's being threatened by the Assyrians, or by the Syrians, not the Assyrians, the Syrians, and their newfound allies, the northern kingdom. But in Isaiah 7, the first nine verses, the Lord assures Ahaz that their plan is going to fail. And as a token to the king of Judah, the Lord, through his prophet Isaiah, offers Ahaz a chance to ask for a sign. Ask of anything, big or small, and the Lord will confirm his promise to Ahaz. He'll make it come to pass. Yet Ahaz says, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. See, he didn't believe. He knew just enough scripture to remember Job and that how he was ultimately silent before the Lord when when he had come seeking answers from, from God. But Ahaz is no Job. He's weak-minded, cowardly, faithless. And he's already committed himself 
to an ill-conceived alliance with the new neighborhood tough guys, that's the Assyrians. It's not going to end well for Ahaz and the southern kingdom of Judah. Isaiah implores Ahaz to ask a sign of the Lord your God. That's verse 11. But see, here, unlike with Job, God is inviting Ahaz to ask. And that's no time to be silent. But Ahaz reveals that he is faithless when he refuses to ask for anything because he knew of God, but he didn't truly know him at all. That angers the prophet. He speaks to his king, Is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? See, he's, he's saying, How can my God be your God if you, Ahaz, are unwilling to pray, to ask, to seek? To faithful Isaiah, the answer is clear. By all means, ask. Do what the Lord says. Though King Ahaz refuses God's offer, God is not miserly. He graciously provides a sign anyway. And what a sign. For God will send a child, a son. He'll send it through a woman, a virgin, and he will be given the name Emmanuel. For Ahaz, this is anything but comforting news. God drops the hammer in verse 17. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. You want them, you got them. See, Ephraim's earlier split from the United Kingdom had already brought division, death, and destruction to what had formerly been the glory of Israel. The sign of Emmanuel is a judgment against Ahaz and his plans, even as they offer comfort to God's people. Ahaz ultimately would find Assyria to be an oppressor, not a friend. Their leader, Tiglath-Pleser, afflicted him instead of strengthening him. That's from 2 Chronicles. What a sign means depends on how you see it. For instance, the sign of Emmanuel was good news for Joseph and Mary, See, they were living in occupied territory. They were subject to the whims of the Roman officials at this point. And Joseph was so troubled by his intended unexpected pregnancy that he was thinking about how best to put her away in a manner that would protect her. So God had an answer. He sent Joseph an angel with a proclamation that this child is of the Holy Spirit. And the angel gave a confirming sign telling Joseph to call his soon-to-be son, Jesus. Quote, for he will save his people from their sins, unquote. 
This was to confirm and fulfill what was promised to that disobedient scoundrel Ahaz and to his troubled people. Jesus is the ultimate Emmanuel. And despite the fears and doubts surrounding them, Mary and Joseph obeyed God because they saw this sign as a glorious promise of forgiveness and a confirmation of faithfulness. We, too, live in a time of fear and doubt. There are increasing divisions among us, and we are subject to the vagaries of our political class. There are wars and rumors of wars and displaced people seeking relief. People generally are filled with anxiety and fear for themselves and for the future. But many of them, like Ahaz, cling to their false gods and idols instead of turning to the only true hope, trusting solely in God. Through Jesus, we hear, do not be afraid and fear not. He promises to bring peace. He says, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. In coming in the flesh, Jesus takes our fears, our conflicts, our sins upon himself. And in that flesh, that God with us in the flesh, flesh, Jesus was killed to satisfy the price for our sins, taking them away for all eternity. As a token, a sign of that promise, Jesus is with us today. He's here in the sacraments when we believe and trust in his word. But those who deny Christ and reject his grace are judged by that same sign. What a sign means depends on how you see it. When we look upon the Christ child, do we see him with awestruck wonder or with fear? Is our future to be filled with hope or hatred, joy or jealousy, peace or pain? In the meantime, consider this. Jesus is Emmanuel. He is God with us. Jesus is a fulfillment of that which was spoken by Isaiah Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. This is the Savior sent by God, exactly what we need. God is with us. He is with us in his word, in his sacraments, in the lights of the Advent candles, in the joy of a young child's face. We've heard of the beacon of light that Jesus brings. We've heard of the branch from whence he came. We've heard of the promised baby, a sign of hope for all who can see it. I pray that we can all set aside the turmoil that surrounds us, the warfare that rages around us and in our own hearts. And behold, the child that brings us hope, 
and joy and peace. In the end, it all depends on how you see it. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Amen.